0: You are listening to The Tish with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Michael Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit JcastNetwork.org Alright, so the topic is uh, religion in our relationships. What's God got to do with it? Okay, and uh, the um, the The impetus for that topic was um, uh, talking to uh, Hannah and uh, Rabbi Goodman um, and... Uh, thinking that maybe we would talk about intermarriage tonight, um, or interdating. Uh, but I actually, um, don't totally think that that's such an interesting topic to talk about. Um, not because of what my, like, predilections or approach or thoughts are about, um, intermarriage itself. Um, but it seems to me that in, um, a world in which, um, so this is actually a, a statistic you don't hear a lot about. Uh, in 1980, um, 6% of Americans were intermarried, which means that they were married to somebody of a different ethnic, uh, cultural, religious background from their own, right? Um, 20 years later, the uh, that climbed to 15.1%. Right so all, nearly double the amount of people in uh um, in in the span of two decades um, uh are intermarried in America, um, and the number is uh is is climbing right so 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 intermarriage in the Jewish context often is sort of like this loaded term with this incredibly negative baggage, but if we just sort of like you know take our steps. Take our feet out of the Jewish conversation for a second and ask ourselves, like, about that term about intermarriage. Um, I, I would I would venture to guess that most of us actually don't ascribe it with that kind of negative baggage um, because it's just part of the reality. People meet um, and interact with uh, people of all different cultures and ethnicities. This is the incredible society that we've built in in America, where. We have a melting pot of all different uh, uh, kinds of um, uh, backgrounds and ethnicities and and uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, and walks of life, um, and uh, and and we have been um, advancing our way toward a society in which um, uh, there's plenty of integration uh, of uh, different uh, traditions and cultures um, within our society. Right, gone are um, you know uh, um, you know ghettos and uh, well, not totally gone, but um, I think. Um, shrinking from the scene, evaporating from the scene, are you know ghettos and enclaves of you know specific ethnic, ethnic or cultural populations. Obviously, there are some of them, um, and uh, a person is. Um, and I think that we would all generally agree that that's a good thing. And um, and people are, I think, um, essentially likely to marry the people in their social circle, right? Um, people with whom they're hanging out or interacting with on a daily basis, their, their, uh, uh, work, friends, friends of friends, uh, people they meet in the, like, neighborhood bar, whatever it is. Um, so, uh, so it's not surprising that, um, the, that broader intermarriage rate is, um, uh, twice what it was in 1980 and will likely to be, um, exponentially higher if we look at it in 20 years. Um, which, which I think gives a lot of context to the, to the, Um, figures in the Jewish community, I mean, I don't remember, I don't know if you guys were like, you know, I'm sort of like a Jewish nerd, so I pay attention to these things. Uh, But uh, last year, uh, the Pew Forum uh, came out with a study on uh, the American Jewish population um, and found that, um, not to anybody's particular surprise, that the intermarriage rate um, had climbed in the Jewish community to about 50 percent of, uh, of of married Jews were married to people of um, non Jewish backgrounds. Um, uh, if you take the Orthodox community out of that uh, demographic data, it's something more like seventy plus percent of Jews who are married are married to people who are not Jewish. Um so now one way that lots of you know Jewish thinkers and rabbis and scholars you know approach the data is sort of like the alarm bells um of you know this signals the erosion of the of the Jewish people and um you know we need to batten down the hatches and all that. I and mean, and I and I, I, I get that. Um but I also don't think that it really um grapples with the actual reality of our of our world, in which my teacher um Rabbi Erwin Kula um, says that we're a society of uh, uh, mixers, benders, blenders, and switchers. Right? Mixers, benders, blenders, and switchers. So that that means is you know we 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 mix. Um, ethnic and religious traditions between each other, right, even people like me, like I'm, you know, very firmly planted in the Jewish tradition, but I also, like, do a lot of Eastern practice, and I have a, you know, a crush on Christianity, and read a lot of Christian books and literature, and, you know, I just met, what's her name, the spiritual director? Uh, Brand Brand outside, and I, you know, I, I will, like, want her to give me spiritual formation, and, um, so, you know, so, like, I get that, right, and uh, um, you know, we we blend, we mix with each other in society, um, we switch, right, so, um, a, a person in 21st century America um, is um, at least as likely to uh, not end up in the religious tradition of their parents as they are likely to stay in the religious tradition of their parents. I don't remember the exact statistic, but it's it's at least 50% of people um, uh, uh, report that they're not part of the religious tradition that they grew up in anymore. So for some people that means I'm part of no religious tradition anymore, and for some people that means... Um, you know, I was Jewish and now I'm Catholic, or I was Catholic and now I'm Buddhist, or whatever it is, right? Um, so it's a society in which we live in society in which you know intermarriage in general, for the reasons I, that that I said, and you know, has has grown. So I think that the the sort of uh, knee jerk response of the Jewish community is not necessarily the most um, helpful or effective one in approaching the question and the conversation about uh, about intermarriage, um, because what it also presumes it presumes a couple of things the first is that um uh by by a certain read of the data um the message is that um a person a, a children of uh, intermarried uh, families are less likely to report um markers of Jewish observance and Jewish practice and Jewish affiliation and things like that. And that may be true, um although the you know correlation doesn't always equal causation. Um so I'm not positive that uh that's specifically because they're from intermarried families uh or it's because intermarried families tend to not be particularly welcomed into uh segments of the Jewish community. So I don't really know exactly how to read that data. What and the other thing is that I know I mean plenty of anecdotal evidence of um of of children of intermarried families um uh becoming deeply involved in Jewish community. I also know plenty of children of uh Juju families not being particularly involved in the Jewish community. And the other aspect of it, I mean the, the sort of like like nefarious, I think, subtext or argument that gets leveled is um, you know, intermarriages are less likely to last than uh than uh than than you know uh endogamous relationships. Um which I think, you know, uh I think that that the 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 statistics don't bear that out, and my personal experience doesn't bear that out, so I'll just be a little self-revelatory for a second. Um, my parents um, are the only ones of their siblings who married Jews. My dad has two siblings, my mom has two siblings, um, and uh, my parents are the only ones of all their siblings who are divorced, right? So, uh, you know, just like... Uh, that's, a, that's anecdotal, right? That's my family snapshot. But the, the fact that you end up marrying a, another Jew is not a guarantee that your relationship is rock solid, right? And if you marry somebody of a different faith tradition, that's not an indication that your marriage is bound to shatter. Right, um, and the same, and right, and the same thing with you know, and people say, well, you know, the the, the kids will always be confused and mess. I'm not so sure that that's true. I know plenty of uh, kids that grow up with both, that grow up with two different religious traditions in the household, and are healthy, integrated, you know, psychologically astute, confident people who have multiple religious identities, and they're able to integrate that. I know. Um, children of uh, of intermarriages that choose Judaism down the line. I know children of intermarriages that choose Christianity down the line. Um, now, I do know from my um, my specific biography, uh, you know, if I look at my cousins, they are not good examples of that uh, of the of uh, at least from a they're they're really wonderful people. I love them, um, but they're not from a from a uh, from a standpoint of okay, you know, can can intermarriages produce uh, 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 children who uh, are strongly identifying practice as Jews, um they're not good examples of that. Right? Um but, you know, they're good people. I mean they're you know they and they're 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 you know doctors and you know uh college educated and you know, whatever. So um so is it is it uh was it was it uh uh um uh, uh, a flaw of the relationship of their parents that they weren't of uh, multiple that they were of multiple traditions i i think i would have to say no you know the problems that they might have in their life i, I don't necessarily think i would attribute to the fact that their parents are of different traditions um so it seems to me then the mo- the more interesting question is what role religion can and should play in our relationships, right, and how to um, how to date um, with with intention, right? To to sort of have a sense of who you are and how that uh, might lead you to what you're looking for in a partner. Um, so that's that's I think the where 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 I'd like to have the conversation um, uh, because I think that uh, you know there are ways of answering that. Um, that support uh, endogamous relationships, and there are ways of answering that that don't necessarily support endogamous relationships. Um, so w- with that, I- I'd just like to have a conversation together about what you think about that introduction, and then maybe we can uh, study some text together. Any thoughts so far?
1: I mean, for me, every time I see the Pew studies, I always feel that they're they're so narrow in how they interpret the data. I think for for me, one of the, the most important things that that is often left out is child rearing, like how and I think you know this what has got got to do with it. I mean, how does the religion actually play into the relationship, not just what, what box would one check? And I feel like that's something that is often left out and. Um, yeah, and, and so for me, I feel like there's this level of nuanced complexity that is just always taken out and, and then you have these statistics that are just dubious right and, and ultimately hurtful, but they can be hurtful when used the way that they tend to be used.
0: I mean one of the one of the um, and I, I agree with you 100%, I think one of the like major uh, challenges of, uh, of, of the, the way a lot of these studies are, framed from the from the outset is um they sort of uh, take a very essentialist view of what it means to be Jewish. Right? So um so they sort they of, they're basically asking the question, how Jewish are you? Right? And the markers of how Jewish are you are sort of like do you like Shabbos candles? And do you go to synagogue? Do you belong to a synagogue? Um do you observe the holidays? What holidays do you observe? etc. Right? Um and you know, uh, so I guess by a certain metric, somebody who answers yes to all those questions um, is very Jewish. Although, from my point of view, I'm not convinced that somebody who does all those things is any more or less Jewish than anybody else who doesn't necessarily do those things. And the other thing that I, that I see is, you know, someone could answer yes to all those sort of like ritual markers of observance but not at all care about like the genocide in Darfur and not be involved in um anti-poverty campaigns in, um in you know in 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 Richmond or in Philadelphia or wherever it is um and uh, and uh not be particularly um uh, supportive let's say of uh, of of um uh uh, uh, uh agencies in or adv- advocacy groups for Israel um just as one example right so you know and then somebody who is like like associates in their Jewish identity primarily through one of those other avenues, like, doesn't score very highly on the how Jewish are you test, right? Um, and I think that that's a missed opportunity. And, like, what I'd rather have is a test that says, like, not how Jewish are you, but how do you Jew? Right? And, yeah. Um, any any uh, thoughts about what Robin Goodman said? Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. Um, well, so, like, regardless of the outcome, like, whether intermarried couples like, are successful and have a great marriage or whether they divorce, I still feel as if my parents would rather have me divorce three Jewish people than marry one non-Jewish person. Mm -hmm. Like, there is so much pressure to marry a Jewish person. And, like, I know in my situation, um, like, my... I grew up Orthodox, my sister's... I mean, I grew up conservative, not Orthodox. (laughs) My sister's Orthodox. Mm -hmm. And, like, she's my best friend, and if I didn't marry someone who's Jewish, she wouldn't come to my wedding. Mm -hmm. And that would be, like, shattering for me yeah. so like regardless of the success of your marriage leading up to that there's so much pressure it's like you don't even know if your marriage is going to work out regardless of who you marry
0: so what do you think that that's about for them
2: um i mean i had a very very jewish upbringing like i went to a jewish day school and i had Shabbat dinner with my family and i think like Having someone in our family who wouldn't want to participate in those things that are so central to our family would be, like, detrimental to, like, me and, like, my relationship with my family. Um, and it's just such a central part of my life. I can't imagine not marrying someone who's mm-hmm. not Jewish, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's, like, this suffocating pressure, like, what if
0: I don't? Nothing, nothing like Jewish guilt, except for maybe Catholic guilt. <laughs> um, <laughs> They're pretty good at it too. I'd yeah.
3: like to compare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, for someone who's had a very different upbringing, uh, I went. um, My dad's. My dad, my dad would say he's a secular Jew because he's like ethnically Jewish, but not religiously Jewish. And then my mom... He's, he's what the Pew study would have called him, <laughs> a Jew of no religion. Yeah, oh and then my mom's Buddhist, if that, um, and then I went to a Jewish school, then went to a Catholic school. Um, so I've had structured religion, and then just not. <laughs> um, I, I really do think that it's, I mean, part of religion is to define things and help people find a path. But I think in some of my class discussions when, pe- when people were trying to explain, you know, how to use religion to help you get to, you know, how to incorporate religion, a lot of people, it got oversimplified. And I think it really comes down to um, whether or not the other person can participate with you. Um... And, you know, really respect what you're doing. Um, So, you know, whether it's going to Shabbat dinner every single week or just going to a Hanukkah party, having someone who supports you and understands why you're doing it, even if they don't share the same beliefs necessarily, like, to me, that's enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
4: This topic is... Really interesting to me right now because I just started dating a guy who is Jewish. Um, he, he lives in Italy and he's the head of, he's on the committee for reform Judaism in Italy. Um, and so I've been sort of considering this a lot because I come, well, I, I have a Mormon background, but I've recently moved to the progressive branch of Mormonism, which exists, but no one knows about yeah, right. it. Yeah, right. I was gonna say, I didn't know about that. Um, <laughs> it, they're from the same root. And so I'm sort of thinking about a lot of these things right now as well.
0: But uh, cool. well, you get to travel Italy. Yes. That's, that's, <laughs> that's yeah. um, one
1: other thing that I'll just throw in, I think to Corey's point, um, my sister is a rabbi, and she was dating a guy who is also Jewish, but more conservative, actually capital C and lowercase c, <laughs> and the fun issue is that while on paper they should have worked out, the idea of being able to share their practice wasn't there. So Mm -hmm. the way she did Shabbat didn't work for him. And so it was this intermarriage or interdating, which on paper makes, like, people don't understand that. And I think that idea of being able to celebrate with someone is so important.
0: So uh, just to that point, look at text number three. So as I was thinking about this question today, this is one of my... (laughs) I don't know if it's one of my favorite stories, but it's like one of the most entertaining stories, I think, in, uh, in, in, in the Bible. So, um, so the, the context of this is that, um, after the, um, the children of Israel enter the land of Israel, They leave Egypt, they wander in the desert for 40 years, they enter the land of Israel, begin a process of conquering the land of Israel, um, which is a, a lengthy and ongoing process, uh, that they do in stages. Um, they never build a permanent sanctuary or structure to house the uh, the Ark of the Covenant you know like the from Indiana Jones um, and uh, and um, eventually David becomes king he really becomes the first main the first major king of Israel of um, of the unified tribes of Israel um, and because of that sort of like political clout that he's been able to build and that um, you know a, a strong coalition he's been able to build he's really kind of like best position to, um, to to bring the ark to a central location um, and he, I mean he hopes he's going to be able to build a permanent temple for it but uh, that God has other plans for that God says he doesn't want David to do it because David is a warrior and doesn't want somebody to build the temple that has blood on his hands so David's son Solomon ends up building temple but anyway but David take goes to uh, uh, The city called uh, Shiloh, Shiloh, to get the ark and bring it to Jerusalem, which is the capital city that he's just built and made for himself. Okay, so um, can can someone read uh, text number three for us? It's in English. Yeah. Um,
4: David danced before the Lord with all of his might. David was girded with a linen. Aphid.
0: Okay, so linen ephod is like basically like a very you know sheer onesie, you know kind of thing, sheer. very very flowy, um, a, a, a sheer a sheer tunic, you know like a very you know um, he, he was he was he was scantily clad. Right?
4: So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. As the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Michael, McCall. Daughter of Saul looked out of the window and saw uh, King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart.
0: Okay, let's just pause for a second. Anybody know who Michal, son of Saul, is? Saul's. No. Don't say Saul's daughter. I mean, <laughs> da-
3: Michal, Michal,
0: Michal, daughter of Saul. That is true. <laughs> who, was, who, who, who was. Who was Saul? Who was Saul? Uh, well, he, yeah, so it's the actually king. So, he was the same
3: before, yeah, he was the king
0: before David. Although there is, there are two passages um, in uh, in the first book of Samuel uh, where, where Saul is sort of like um, I don't know, kind of like like raving like a madman, and uh, and and they say is you know is Saul among the prophets, right? So they, there you go, you got it. So um, uh, but anyway, so Saul was king before David. He was sort of like the first kind of failed experiment in having a king of Israel. Um, but nevertheless, Michal, daughter of Saul, makes her uh, what? Princess. Princess, right? Oh, my daughter would love her. Uh, and, right, so she's this, like, she's this, like, prim and proper, you know, princess. And she sees David uh, leaping and dancing, you know, in front of the ark as it's uh, passing by. And she's not, she's not too happy. All right, that's, that. That's not dignified, right? We're not amused. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> they brought
4: in the ark of the Lord and set it in its place, and inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and offerings of well-being before the Lord. When David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the offerings of well-being, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts, and distributed food among all the people, and the whole multitude of Israel, both men and women, to each a cake of bread, a portion of meat, and a cake of raisins. And all the people went back to their homes. They returned to bless his household, but Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How the king of Israel honored himself today, uncovering himself today before the eyes of his servants' maids, as any vulgar feller might shamelessly uncover himself. David said to Michal, It was before the Lord, who chose me in place of your father and all his household, to appoint me a prince over Israel, the people of the Lord, and that I have danced before the Lord. I will make myself yet more contemptible than this, and I will be abased in my own eyes. But by the maids of whom you have spoken, by them I shall be held in honor.
0: Hey, I don't know if you could hear that, but that's the biblical equivalent of dropping the mic. <laughs> um, so, um, right, boom. So, uh, so what, what's happening in this in this text? We just—I uh, I heard this expression the other day from uh, Rabbi David Ingber, and I loved it. So uh, he he was quoting somebody else. I don't remember who. Um, he's a rabbi in New York, but he was down here teaching class, and he said, "We just we just read inside the text. Now read me outside the text, right? Like tell me what's going on."
2: She said, "How dare you, you know, present yourself to God in such a vulgar way?" And he said, "I was chosen by God, and I will, you know." Uh, like this is like in relation to what we were talking about. I was like this is how he's going to honor God.
0: Right, so right. You
2: can honor and serve in different ways.
0: Right. So David, Jewish or not Jewish? I uh, Jewish. Yeah. Michal, Jewish or not Jewish? Jewish? Jewish. Right. I mean, the the term didn't really exist, but but anyway, right. But <laughs> let's for the sake of argument, right? Technically, the same religion, right? But at least in this instance. Radically different approaches to how to exercise that religion, right? And, um, and, you know, so the, the fact that they're the same religious tradition doesn't necessarily give them a harmonious household, right? In, in some ways, maybe it even gives them a less harmonious household, right? Because, um, you know, there's that, there's actually more, um, tension that can come, you know, with having the same religious tradition, but radically different approaches to it. Um, you know, so when I read that text, you know, I say to myself, you know, okay, like let's, we'll hold off the question of, is it, you know, good or not good for, uh, Jews to marry other Jews. But it feels to me that there's an additional question that needs to be asked, which is, um, or additional, you know, statement that needs to be made, which is like, it's not enough to say, you know, uh, Jews need to marry other Jews. Um, but that, um, that, that, that one's you know sort of outlook and approach to religion um uh needs to be in sync right now and i think that can be true of people who are um of different religious traditions as well right um because you know a a, um you know a, a sort of like uh i i would i would be surprised if uh um if i mean sorry i don't want to judge other people's things right but so i'm not going to say it like that um uh so, um because I'm not thinking of anybody in particular. But like let's say like, you know, um a Jew of no religion, you know, um uh who's like not particularly like, like so like maybe eats like a bagel once in a while, you know, like that's the um like
5: actually
0: like every hour. Every hour, right. No, you're you're much more Jewish than that. <laughs> yeah, so, um,
5: Eat all the bagels. <laughs> you're also
0: on basketball night here studying tort. You're much more Jewish than that. So um right like i I would have a hard time um like like understanding the dynamic of the relationship between that person and like you know a, a fundamentalist evangelical Christian right who's like you know church three times a day and like went to liberty university and right, uh, um uh, so um what do you guys think about about that text, that issue? that analysis.
5: I kind of agree with what you're saying. Like, so I feel the same pressure that she does kind of not at the same extreme, but my parents was like, you need to find a nice Jewish boy. Like, are you going to find a nice Jewish boy in Richmond? Whatever. And I've always been like, mom, like I'm going to marry who I want. Like you can't control me. Like classic Jewish mom trying to like control my life. And, um, <coughs> that's what I kind of thought back when I was at home. And then I came here and there's less of a Jewish community here than there was back home. Just cause like, northeast there's a lot more jews and um i've kind of realized how different it is growing up like being surrounded by jews and judaism than it is to not and like i find myself unintentionally being attracted to like other jews like in friendships like we're roommates and like we're both like i don't know like i just get along better with other people who are jewish and i think it's because we were raised in more similar fashions and so like we have very differing levels of like judaism i guess like well, we can but watch Utopia together. Yeah, and, like, but we like. Those things. Yeah, we like. <laughs> great movie. I highly suggest
0: Utopia. Yeah, yeah. You seen it? been, no, I haven't seen it. It's on Netflix. Oh, okay, really? You should, you yeah, should yeah, invest should. two
5: hours in it. You won't be sorry. Right. As a rabbi, it is your <laughs> religious obligation. But moving on, <laughs> you actually might be sorry. But like, no, you, no, you no, won't. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyway, um, I feel like <laughs> he, he totally is. I'm sorry. <laughs> We're sorry. We embarrass you. But um, I feel like it's not even a religious thing as much as a cultural thing, and it's not that I can share, like, the holidays necessarily, but I can share, like, my love of bagels and my love of Jutopia, and there are just so many things about me that are fundamentally, like, Jewish that you don't realize until you're surrounded by people who aren't. Yeah. That it would be the little things in daily life that you don't think about that don't have anything to do with religion, that you're, like, fundamentally different. And so, I've kind of been changing my stance, I guess, yes. since being surrounded by people who aren't, like, Jewish. I don't know, I don't it's know like, if
2: that makes
5: sense. Like, talking about brisket and using Yiddish words and, like, those
2: yeah. things that they would be like,
3: are you crazy?
5: You know? Yeah, my mom sent me a brisket for a Shoshana and our non-Jewish roommate was like, what is this? And we were like, <laughs> it's so a I love, love you, you brisket! <laughs> oh, God. We do
0: that sometimes. <laughs> What, say things at the same time? Yeah,
2: sorry, we're the same person. You take yours.
0: But it's, I mean, it's interesting. You know, like, I, I, I identify with that. I don't know how, how you guys feel about that. I mean, I identify that with that in some way. Like, I, I find myself, um, sometimes I'm ashamed to admit this, but, like, I, I find myself much more comfortable in, mo- in many Jewish contexts and with other Jewish people than I do in, you know, contexts where I'm surrounded by non-Jews, although, like, there are contexts in which I, like, feel much more comfortable in, like, non-Jewish settings than I do in some Jewish settings. Like, I feel much more comfortable, like, going to Hope Church uh, than I do, like, going to um, an ultra-Orthodox synagogue, you know, on some level, right? And I think that that has to do... Uh, maybe Hope Church isn't a good example, but I think that that has to do with, like, you know, I I, I feel like I, like, much... in some On some... Plain. I have much more in common with with those people than with people whose, like, entire worldview and outlook on life and practice, like, has rhythms and language that mine doesn't really have, right? Um,
3: yeah. Um, I actually felt more comfortable at my Catholic school than I did my Jewish school. Um, the I was, like, super ultra-Orthodox, um, and... So, I didn't necessarily... She was very strict about, you know, who was Jewish and who wasn't. Um, But going to Catholic school, they were, like, very open about, you know, you don't have to be Catholic, Um, you can be whatever you want. And more so, they were a lot more accepting of me being Jewish because I was more Jewish than everybody else. Um, And so, but I think the Catholic point of view, like, the, that the school had fit more with, like, my personal views than the ultra-orthodox Jewish day school that I went to. So,
2: like, I think I struggle with this because, like, I've never felt more comfortable in a non-Jewish setting over a Jewish setting. Like, I have Jewish friends even at University of Richmond, in my sorority I'm friends with all the Jewish people. Like, I always find those people who I have the even the most basic connection with, and how you were talking before about how, um, even if you can, like, respect someone else's religion and, like, participate in it, and, like, something else I struggle with is that, like, I don't think I would be able to do that. Like, I wouldn't want to, like, go to church or go to mass or, and so, you know, that really, like, narrows the pool. And then, well, and then there's also, like, even within Jews, like, I wouldn't want to marry an ultra-Orthodox person. I wouldn't want to marry a Reform person. like, Right, like, really, like, gonna die alone.
3: But, like,
2: (laughs) it's just, like, it's hard.
3: But I think the fact that you can identify what's important to you is, like, what's important. Like, at least you know, like, what you're looking for versus being, like, you have absolutely no idea. And, like, you try to go to Mass and you're, like, maybe not. (laughs) So...
0: Right, I think that that's fair. I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's much, well, I mean, on some level, it's much easier to find what you're looking for if you know what you're looking yeah. for, right? Um, on the other hand, if you don't know what you're looking for, you might, you know, sort of like float along and be pleasant and surprised <coughs> if you, you know, so. Uh, See,
2: like, am I too strict in, like, what I'm looking for, or is that just realistic because I know myself and I know that I wouldn't want to marry someone who's not Jewish, but is that also, like, my family? I that's
0: why I'm here. <laughs> right. Well I, well, I don't know if I can answer the question for you directly, but uh, um, but listen, you know, so um,
1: one of the one of the
0: um, I, for me it was one of the best pieces of advice that I ever best piece of like dating and uh, like you know spouse seeking partner seeking advice that I piece of advice that I ever got was um, uh, um, you really ought to be looking for somebody who has shared values, right? Now th- those could be you know, uh, um, you could call those Jewish values, although, you know, um, like which Jewish values, I guess, is part of the question, right? So, um, and I was, I've been reading this, well, I'm done with the book, but I've been like thinking about the book still a lot, um, called, um, it's a business book called The Advantage, um, and, uh, it's, it's been like, I've been like playing with it in all sorts of different areas, but what he says for healthy, uh, organizations and healthy businesses, um, a, a need to, answer six different questions. Um the second of which is um what are my core values? Right? And and what he says is that those values have to be like intrinsic to what the business is, like the not aspirational values, like not values that like you wish you had, right? But value like like actually honest to honest to goodness, like this is how I live my life, this is how I see the world, right? Um, and um you can only pick like three of them. Right, so like you might not have other values too, but like these are really central, right? These are really central to who I am, um, and so I, I need to find. If, so if I apply that to like you know human interaction, um, it, it, and like dating life, that might be a I think a, a helpful way of thinking. Like if I say like okay, like what am I like like not like what are the three things I'm looking for in a in a partner, but like what are the three ways of like being in the world that are most important to me. With that self knowledge, I'll be able to sort of identify like, like, well, you might narrow the pool, but it also like help sift through the pool, right? Because um, I'll know right away, you know, uh, if my if if my if if my values are, um, uh, um, you know, um, uh, the pursuit of lavish wealth right, like, and, 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 you know, how, I'm not, that's not a judgment statement, you, for some people, like, that's their thing in life, right, um, and, like, I know that I'm not going to be happy in my life, and everything that I do in my life is oriented around that pursuit, then I'm, you know, as try as I might to, like, really love the, the, you know, the, the, you know, survivalist who, um, you know, gets by on like canned beans, chances are good that I'm not, go- that, like, that's going to be a square peg in a round hole, right? Um, so that, um, uh, so I, I anyway, that was dating advice that I got, um, you know, was like go after shared values, right? Or complementary values, um, you know, rather than like, do I like their sense of humor or, you know, do I think they're cute or what, you know, I mean, those things are important too, but, um, uh, but, but shared values are, I think, really at, at the core. And that's why, so that's well, what was really drawn to this text from uh, the Talmud, text number six. You have to, the Talmud is like very, um, um, uh, heteronormative and, um, and male centered, right? So, um, uh, but, so just translate this into whatever language works for you. <laughs> go, go after a woman similar to yourself and do not bring strife into your home. Right. Um, my, my dad's advice to me, like in his own way was, um, was, was similar to that. Right. It was like, um, uh, you <laughs> I, I didn't follow this advice, um, but, uh, and so I'm not necessarily saying that this was good advice. He said, um, uh, you, you ought to find, uh, a spouse who comes from relatively, like, a re- relatively similar, like, social economic background from you, right? Um, because, like, that approaches money the same way that you do, right? Um, thinks about money the same way you do. Um, and I, I like, I, I, you know, uh, wasn't, isn't true for my reality, but I can see the wisdom in it. Right? Um, and not just money, like, like approaches life the same way. Um, thoughts, comments,
1: questions? I mean, I'm thinking about that idea with your idea of, you know, hope church and an ultra-Orthodox shul, and I feel like, you know, if one has a similar outlook on how they value social justice, how they value the role of religion, the role of God in their own life, it does make a lot of sense. Like some of those deeper philosophical questions, you know, those values are really much more important in the practical day to day um, than just, you know, some other affiliations. So there's a lot of wisdom to both what your dad said and what the Talmud said, to put them on equal footing. Um, But, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it... There's something that really resonates with me, and I found some of my closest friends are progressive clergy in the Christian tradition. Right, right. Because even though the liturgy is totally different, the values and the motivations are
0: almost identical. Right. right. Yeah, I, I I I identify with that so much. Yeah.
5: Yeah, I guess I see that with my parents. Like on the surface, they're very very different people. You can attest to that, and like. Um, If you don't know them, you'd be like, how do they work? And, like, obviously sometimes you don't always work. But, like, at the end of the day, they agree on, like, the most important things. And that's what my mom always said is, like, we don't fight about money. We don't fight about how we're going to raise the kids. Like, we don't fight about, like, the most central things to, like, what makes people, like, at the end of the day see eye to eye. So when you fight about the little things at the end of the day, you see the same on the big things. And so I think they work, even though they probably shouldn't, because they... Even though they're very different, they're the same the things that matter the most, and so I guess I don't know. I guess I see that in a lot in like my own life.
0: Yeah, and there's just something that you said that that I want to pick up on. I think that you know what the Talmud says here, and what like Hollywood presents um, is is I think a little bit. Um, of a, you know, sort of red herring, right? Do not bring strife into your home. I think that the, the, the notion that like, you should, and this is like what always frustrated me about like, Seinfeld, you know, like this is like very picky about like the people he dated. It's like, um, you know, like it presents this image of, Um, you know, the the objective in finding a partner is someone with whom you will never fight, right? And, like, that that's not real relationships. Like, name me one real relationship that you've ever had in your life where there hasn't been some kind of um, struggle over something, right? Disagreement, whatever, different ways of looking at things. So the idea that, like, you'll never fight over it about anything if you just, like, find the right set of values to match yours, right, is, like, just totally um, a fantasy, we
5: just had our first fight. Oh, no. <laughs> it's okay. We resolved it. Okay. <laughs> he was
0: concerned. I, I said
3: make you're class dirty. But she said you're crazy. And then we okay, got <laughs> That's fair.
0: Um.
1: No, I mean, one of the things when I'm doing my marital counseling to um, with couples I'm, of, um, I'm working with, uh, we talk about these ubiquitous for things and there's no right answer but if you don't if you don't at least have some agreement on how that there's going to be a lot of extra tension there's always right. tension in navigating these but so like family uh religion money yeah. and sex yeah and that those are present in every in every way and if there's no right or wrong right like how religious you want to be there's no problem but if one person wants to go to shul every day or three times a day and the other person you know, who's happy making a, a chicken on Rosh Hashanah, like that's going to be a, a real problem. And so, um, and I think it's an interesting way of framing this, of, of, you know, making sure that those core values are really aligned.
0: At the same time, uh, just so it's not, we're not only in a one dimensional, uh, side of this, I think that there's an, another aspect, right? So, um, Go back to the beginning. Go back to Genesis, okay? Uh, The beginning of page one. Um, Someone read this. Court.
3: Okay.
0: Uh, Were you just yawning? No, I can
3: read. read. Um, The Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a fitting helper for him. And the Lord God formed out of the earth all the wild beasts and all the birds of the sky, and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that would be its name. And the man gave names to all the cattle, and to the birds of the sky, and to all the wild beasts. But for Adam no fitting helper was found. So the Lord God cast a deep sleep upon the man, and while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that spot the Lord God fashioned the rib that he had taken from a man into a woman and he brought her in to the man. Okay. All right. But
0: again, what's that?
3: So the fact well, that he a, made the woman the fitting
0: helper.
2: There's, there's an addendum. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. okay.
0: <laughs> right. So, <laughs> an addendum. Um, so, I... I, 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 I get the, the, like, gender problematics of this text. Um, I, and I, and I sort of, like, don't want to read it for, for that. Um, uh, I, I, you know, because I think that the text could very easily <laughs> have been it written. It doesn't help. Huh? It doesn't help. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, continue. Um, I think the text could very easily have been written from the exact opposite perspective. Um, and, and, cause I think what it's saying here is that the, that the nature of a relationship is for each to be the fitting helper for each. And the, that phrase in Hebrew is, um, a sort of, um, ambiguous phrase. The phrase in Hebrew is azer kenegdo. Um, so azer means a helper. Um, means like, um, against him or opposite him. Um, uh, or it could also mean like according to him, right? Which is where you get the fitting helper. Um, but it's a, it's a sort of a, um, uh, ambiguous phrase. And, uh, so there are lots of different ways that, that one could interpret it. Um, the, the most direct, uh, the, really one of the only of the classic commentators that really tries to tackle that question head on is, uh, Sforno, who is a, um, 15th, 16th century, um, Italian commentator. Um, and, uh, so, who called it the addendum? You, yeah. uh, will you read the addendum? Yeah. I
5: will. A helper means that she should be... <laughs> means that she should be equal to him in having been created in God's image and likeness so that she will know what his needs are and be able to tend to them in a timely fashion. And God says, opposite him, in the sense that if one were to put them in a scale opposite each other, the scale would equal out and end up in a straight line. Right.
0: So... <laughs> so, um, so who who wants to read that outside the text? Like, what's that? Yeah. So okay. the idea is to have like to have like
6: things in common that you can like not argue about, and that's what unites you. But at the same time, be different people and have different views on like other things that you can talk about. And like, because if you're the same person, like yeah, that's great to see two like people that are very similar in like one space. But like, if you're Person all the time. There's no room for growth, and there's no room to like become a better person, and nothing pushing you to become a better person. You're just staying stagnant.
0: So then, if we put that back into the context of this uh, this conversation, what does that mean to to y'all?
2: It, uh, yeah. Use your words. I can't
5: Well to some people, um one of like like a quote deal breaker I guess would be like the idea of religion. Do you practice religion the same
6: and do you see like religion in the same way and that could be um something like this is something I have to have in common with somebody and if that point isn't met, then it doesn't matter what else it balances out if they're a great person or whatnot. Um, But if it's not, like, one of those core things, and it's like, okay, I want to learn something new, and you see um, the way different religions, like, view the world, so, like, you have different worldviews, and, um, like, that can be the balancing point and, like, the growing point as well. Um, So, like, going back to the statistics that we talked about at the very beginning, I've never liked those statistics. um, So I always felt like an oddball. My parents are, like, intermarried, and so my mom came from a Catholic background, My dad came from a Jewish background and they married and they're like, we don't want to deal with religion. We don't want to have to deal with this. It wasn't until I was born and I was like, I'm curious. I want to know more. I want to go to do these things. Um, My parents are like, oh, we have to deal with religion now. Um, And so it was like more of I chose my path, not my parents chose it for me, which is what you find a lot. Um, If you're like pushed and pushed into a religion, like people will like kids will be like, oh, putting it on me. I don't want to have to deal with this. But other people have like in any like innate an um, like longing to be a part of a religion or something like that. Um, and so I think that's why I never liked the statistics. It was always like these are what people are, but it never like takes into account like personalities.
2: Right. Can I like add on that? Yeah. Um so I think you put it in a really good way, like what is a deal breaker and what isn't. So I guess like one of my questions would be like, to what extent, so, like, there's the one side where, like, the, like, Judaism is a small religion, and, like, there aren't many Jews, and, like, literally, like, Jews should marry Jews so there can be more Jews, and whatever. Um, And then there's a side of, like, well, but we should be more accepting of intermarried couples, and whatever, and, like, to what, at what point should, like, that be a deal breaker? I guess it's, like, the...
0: Should which be a deal breaker?
2: Like, so, like, there's I guess, like, one school of thought where, like, you have to marry someone Jewish, and there's another where, like, you can marry whoever you want as long as, like, our community accepts them, and, like, where along you're, like, even if, like, they have the same values, but they're not Jewish, like, at what point should, like, being Jewish or not being Jewish be a deal breaker? I guess, is, like, something that. I think it's
6: very different I think for about. personal versus yeah. community. So, community yeah. may say your kids should be raised Jewish, you should find somebody Jewish, but you personally like, I don't agree with the community. So I think it's that, um, like, that sort of conflict of the personal versus community. Because overall, you want Judaism to continue, but personally, it may be like, that's not my job, it's somebody else's. But if
2: it's not your job, whose job is it? Like, we could have the same values, but if they're not Jewish, like, deal breaker, then, like, what if everything else is, like, the same value? I don't know, it's just, I think it's, like, I
5: struggle with it, and, like, other people do, too.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
5: And, like, how you found, like, kind of, like, found Judaism for yourself. Like, that's really cool, but I personally, like, wouldn't have. Like, I definitely 100% wouldn't be here right now if I wasn't raised Jewish from the time that I was born and, like, was forced into Hebrew school and, like... You could say that for
0: a fact. fact. You know that for a fact?
5: I w- not yes. for a fact, but, like, pretty pretty much. Um, like, I resisted it for, like, a long time. Like, I was forced to go to Hebrew school, get by food, whatever. And, like, I grew to really love it and, like, appreciate being part of the Jewish community, but it's not something that comes naturally to me, I don't think. Like, I don't strongly identify as a religious person. And I, I don't think I would have, like, found religion for myself if I wasn't raised that way. And, like, now I'm glad that I was. But if I wasn't born into a household where both of my parents were Jewish and it was, like, important to them that I was raised in a Jewish house, like, I wouldn't be Jewish right now, I don't think. And I think that's probably true for a lot of people. So, like, I think you like it's really cool that you were able to do that, but I think that a lot of people wouldn't be able to. Like, I don't know. Even if I, like, I was raised Jewish,
1: I, like, I, same thing. But there's so many confounding variables, and I think it's important for us to, I mean, because I think Hannah's right <laughs> to point out that the statistics are... Misleading. They're misleading, and I think people, a lot of time. and I think Rabbi Noff said it in the beginning, that often they're interpreted in a very similar way, but one of the things is the character of the child. You can have three children raised in the exact same household right. and have different relationships with the faith, because... Kids are different, and Hannah and Melissa had, they're different people, and so right. the way you guys grew up would obviously mean right. that you would choose it differently. And I also think the parenting styles, like I said before, um, I grew up where we were the only Jewish family in town, so my parents really engaged in Judaism in an exciting way because they knew we weren't going to get Judaism anywhere else, right? It wasn't like New York City where you just have it, and so, and so in that way, like, I really credit my parents for being willing to, like, be crazy, creative, informal Jewish educators because they knew that that was the only way to get us engaged, you know, the way that I think Hannah was able to motivate herself. And I think there are all these factors, whether a synagogue is welcoming you in or not, right. if you even want to do that. And I think there there's those other pieces that make the statistics really dubious. And so all we have is our own personal anecdotes. And it goes down to the, sort of the, that, that feeling of Kishkes, which... I think it's a much more compelling argument either way.
4: Yeah, I think it's very unique to every particular person. Um, like the guy that I'm dating, um, he converted to Judaism when he was 15 um, because his family were secret Jews in Italy, which are sort of people that were Jews up until the Inquisition, then technically became Christian, but kept like the idea that they were a Jewish family. Even if they don't practice. There's no synagogue. And so like he's only members of his family that practices Judaism, um, but then he also converted and became a Mormon as well. Um, and so he sort of practiced both for a very long time, um, up until recently. And so we sort of have that connection. We both sort of understand the Mormonism aspect, but um, we, we connected really on the values of social justice and peace, which is emphasized much more by progressive Mormonism, which is I've been sort of drawn towards. Yeah. And sort of like, though the values connected with the sort of, the religious aspect, sort of what sort of brought together. So I think it's very, very unique to every particular group and every particular relationship, because who knows <laughs> what draws two people together?
0: Um, yes. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, and the, the which, uh, um, uh, you know, the, which, you know, this, the last text um uh, number 8 is uh um repeated in like different ways and slightly different forms um uh, throughout rabbinic literature uh but it's so true right uh matching couples is as difficult as the splitting of the sea uh, one of my favorite stories in the in the talmud had this like roman woman um go up to one of the rabbis and say you know like if your god is so great like what has he been doing since the creation of the world and the rabbi said God's been making matches. And the woman, woman's like, that's not so hard. I could do that. So, So she takes, like, 50 male slaves and 50 female slaves and, like, pairs them up with each other and comes back the next day and, like, some are missing limbs and, like, you know, eyes gouged yeah. out, right? And so, she, and so she then acknowledges matching couples is as difficult as the splitting of the sea. Um, but, and I think, so I think that this is, this is the tension and I think that it, that it transcends, I mean, it, it, it's related to the question of should I marry another Jew or should I not uh, or is it okay? I don't think anybody's really saying like, should I not? But is it okay not to? Right? Um, but it's, I think it transcends the question of like, should I marry another Jew? Is it okay not to? Um, or um, or you know how it, to to some of the things that we were talking about about shared values that that um, are within but also without of Judaism, and then also the other piece that we brought in, which is um, you know. Uh, shared values are only one side of the equation and what i think we also want to look for in a spouse whether that person is you know um you know a jew like me right or or not a jew like me or whatever it is um uh that uh that, that we have a, a spouse that um or a partner or a boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever it is um that, uh, that that challenges us and pushes us to grow too because there's actually like not a lot of Fun in having somebody that um, is totally totally mimics you know who you are and, and, and what you do, right um, what what Genesis offers, or at least what how Sforno interprets Genesis, is that it should be somebody who is you know equal to us in power right and in, and in you know in value and in worth but opposite in direction in some ways i don't know if it should necessarily be opposite but um someone who can can help um shape and refine us and and is is um willing to uh, allow themselves to also be part of that dynamic too of shaping and refining um and so i just want to i know we're we're at 8:30 but um to that point, and I think that's a great, it's a story that, that I think I, I'd like to end with because it's a great summary of the conversation in some way. So this is a, I think one of the greatest love stories in, uh, Jewish literature. Um, it's, uh, uh from the Talmud. Um, Rabbi Akiva is one of the most famous, uh, rabbis. Uh, he lived, a, um, about a hundred years after, uh, Jesus. Um, Rabbi Akiva became, became betrothed to the daughter of Kaaba Sabua. Um, that was the guy's name in Hebrew. That means, uh, the, uh, satisfied dog, um, uh, or in Aramaic rather that means the satisfied dog. Um, uh, I think it ma- basically means like he, w- he was a really wealthy guy. Okay. So Kalba Savua heard and he vowed, uh, that he sh- that she would never, that, that, uh, the dog, that his daughter would never benefit from any of his property. Right. Uh, why? Because Rabbi was like this poor shepherd, right? She went and married him anyway. Um, okay. Right. Against mom and dad's wishes. I'm going to go and marry this guy. It wasn't a Jewish question, but it was like, I'm a rich girl and I'm going to marry the guy from the other side of the tracks. Right. Um, in the winter, they were dwelling in a straw house where you would have to pull straw out of her hair, out of his hair. He said to her, if I could, I would buy you a golden Jerusalem. Uh, apparently back then, you know, like the hot gift was a a golden Jerusalem, like a golden statue of Jerusalem or something like that. Um, Elijah came, the same guy who was going to come to the Seder in a few nights. Um, Elijah came appearing to them as a man and was calling out at the gate. He said to them, give me a small portion of straw for my wife has just given birth and I have no place for her to lie down. Rabbi Akiva said to his wife, look, a man that does not even have straw. Right? so like, like, there's someone poorer than us. Um, now, what we don't hear about Rabbi Akiva there is that you know he didn't. It doesn't say that he gave Elijah the straw. Right. Um, it doesn't say that he like opened up his home to them. He just kind of like looked and said, "Okay, now I feel a little bit better about myself." Right. And so she says to him, "Go to study at the rabbi's school." In other words, you need to learn some manners. You need to learn some better values. Right. And I don't care that you're poor. I care that you're a jerk. Right. Um He went for 12 years to study with Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yehoshua. At the end of 12 years, he was returning home. As he was returning home, he heard from behind his house a wicked man saying to his wife, "It is good what your father did to you, for firstly, Akiva is not like you, and furthermore, he has left you to live a widow's life all these years." She said to him, "If he if my if my desires were to be known, sorry about the typos here, if my desires were to be known, I would let him take 12 more years. Akiva said, She's giving me permission. So he turned back. (laughs) He returned and went for 12 additional years. He returned with 24,000 pairs of students, and everyone went out to greet him. And even she went out to greet him. But that wicked man said to her, Where are you going? She said to him, A righteous man knows his animal, but the compassion of the wicked is cruelty. She went to see him, but the rabbis pushed her away. Akiva said to them, Leave her for mine and yours belong to her right everything that I am, I owe it to her. Kalva Savua heard he came and asked to be released from his vow and he released it and released it right so eventually Kalva Savua came around when he realized a the potential of the son that uh, that he didn't want his daughter to marry to become a, a righteous person and B when he realized the the strength. And uh, capacity of his daughter to, um, to, uh, to, to, um, offer her gifts, um, in the service of shaping and refining her beloved, right? And so, um, there's a lot that could be impacted about this text, but why I wanted to bring it was, um, you know, uh, uh what our parents think, uh, or want for our relationships, um, uh, isn't necessarily, uh, always, uh, what's best for us, um, uh, People have their own, um, agendas, although our parents, I'm sure, want the best for us, but they don't always necessarily know. But that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, Jewish, not Jewish, but, um, uh, what, what, what you see here is, um, you know, uh, uh, the daughter, her name is Rachel, um, you know, didn't, didn't pay attention, didn't care about the, like, financial piece, didn't care about where Akilah came from, um, but loved him for him, um, and also, um not only was was fine accepting him for who he was and um living with him you know uh, because of her in spite of his flaws but also um offering a tremendous amount of self sacrifice to um help make him a better person right and i think that that's um part of this idea of azer connecto that it's a that it's a helper but also opposing right that someone that not only shares values but is uh, is is able to help us um, refine ourselves and grow. Um, so I'm happy to stay and, and talk and continue the conversation, but I want to make sure that uh, everybody is released to do whatever it is college students do on a, on a Tuesday night. Um, and I really, really enjoyed this conversation. So thank you guys so much for having me.